Well, the thing is that I love things in every part of the process and I suffer in every part of the process. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's those little things, you know, when you're thinking of an idea and you think, you know, it's difficult and you're trying and then, you know, it feels like you found something in that moment and then, you know, you start the writing process and it's really difficult and it takes a lot of work and focus and you, doesn't always work and but then you know you start reading something that you know you, you you start feeling excited about making it and then you know you're gonna be soon confident in order to put it in production filming I find extremely stressful that's all there is we're stuffed Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hi. Follow us on Instagram at Speak All Evil Pod. This week, it's homeschooling week. <laughs> <laughs> or as I was thinking of it, uh, Art House Incest Week. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also it the Pets Gets It Week. Yeah. The Pets Get It Week. Yeah. It's a lot of things. A lot of things to a lot of people. <laughs> Yes, Bad Boy Bubby is my first movie this week, and I have to give a shout-out to Brian, who is a colleague of mine from work, and we were in Singapore, and we connected on, you know, indie rock and, you know, art house filmmaking and all of this, uh, and he sent me towards Bad Boy Bubby, so I watched that um, while I was in Singapore, um, and then was like you know what, I need to do uh, a Bad Boy Bubby Week, and and the other movie that we'll talk about came to mind immediately. But anyway, Bad Boy Bubby is a 1993 film by Rolf de Heer, uh, who's a Dutch filmmaker, who migrated to Sydney. So this technically is an Australian picture, and it tells the story of Bubby, Bad Boy Bubby. So Bubby has been kept in a room by his mother, Ever since birth, he's now in his 30s, and she basically tells him that, you know what, Bubby, if you go outside, the air will kill you, and also Jesus will kill you. So she leaves the house every day, comes back in with her gas mask on, and is just gaslighting Bubby the entire time. There's also a little bit of an incest angle here. A little? A little? A A tiny bit? A A scotch? Um, where Bubby is subjected to maybe having some mama sex. Maybe. What? No, there is... Is it implied? Graphic, there is a ton of graphic <laughs> incest between Bubby and his mother. Let's let's put that right out there, and there's nothing wrong with it. A little. You know, I'm not there's saying nothing wrong, wrong with it. With it? No, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying whoa, there's nothing wrong whoa. with it. In the film, you know, of course. Uh, oh, my God. But essentially, bad boy Bubby, uh, it turns into Bubby eventually leaving the home and experiencing the outside world for the first time. So uh, Bubby's dad left when he was a baby. He's now in his 30s. His dad comes home, and Bubby and his mother's isolated existence is disrupted by the dad, Harold, coming home. Bubby eventually uh, develops a love for cling wrap or shrink wrap, I think as we know it in the States. And Bubby leaves 
the basement dwelling and goes on a journey of exploring the entire outside world. Um, I thought that this, I know that this week, both of these could be very uh, not considered horror movies, um, but they are evil movies. Um, They're both very, um, you know, just nature versus nurture movies. Um, I thought that Bad Boy Bubby, uh, albeit a little bit long in the runtime, was just a complete mindfuck. I thought that it was a brilliant film. Um, The other director that we'll talk about later, Yorgos Lanthimos, um, I thought that he probably took some pages out of this movie in terms of just, you know, pure, like, social and, like, mental health and all of this uh, he took from Bad Boy Bobby. Um, I loved this one. I thought it, it, it's a it's a tough. Both movies are tough, but this was a very very tough tough film to get through. Uh, Nicholas Hope, who plays Bubby, I thought was unbelievable. Um, Dave, what did you think? Well, Bad Boy Bubby. First of all, I love alliteration. <laughs> That's a great start. Mm-hmm. And as far as it not being a horror movie. I mean, the guy was the cling rap killer. He was like a serial killer. And we often deal with the, you know, the psychological stuff where people are tormented and all that. So I do think it falls into that. Uh, Trent and I had a little debate about that earlier today where he put this in the category of like the greasy strangler. Who is also, he's also a killer at large. He's another creepy dude at large. And I'm, I'm afraid of these guys. Um... I know you guys are true crime buffs. Um, this reminded me of like the Gypsy Rose story, mm-hmm. right? Another homeschooler. Yeah. But this has a happy ending. Uh, and that and there one was had a, a happy ending. There was a point where I did notice <laughs> myself. Happy ending. I would love for you to right now define happy ending. I'm, it's a happy ending. I mean, the guy, th- look where he started for and Bobby. look where he ended. Yeah, look yeah. where he ended up. Um, it's my new favorite movie from the 90s. I absolutely love this movie. I my mind was blown. Uh, I was completely astonished by every new adventure Bubby would get into. Um, this is the first l- movie in a long time that made me laugh out loud. I, I burst out laughing at a few scenes. Um, I I thought the way the movies this week uh, like fucked with language uh, was really insane. Uh, I loved how this guy was running around like a parrot. Uh, just trauma babbling and seeing how different walks of people reacted, uh, kind of been unbeknownst to him. It almost kind of had a Borat vibe. Yeah. Like yeah. once he got <laughs> loose, once he was at large. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was hilarious that he just kept plugging these same phrases. Like he was almost catatonic, but he just repeated what other people said. And he was really, you know, stuck on the the first words he heard his dad say about his mom's tits. Mm. And he was he just kept repeating this over and over again. So you'd see it plugged into different walks of life. Sometimes he'd get arrested from doing it. Uh, there was one group that looked like a feminist group or something, or some kind, yeah. kind of support group getting they together, were, and they yeah. all beat him up. And then other times... You'd get like rich douchebags who think he was like hilarious and he was like a hot shit or like art people and the band. Uh, I fucking loved that he joined a band. Yep. <laughs> um, I and that, that those are the lyrics to the songs. <laughs> like I don't know something about the the whole dialogue in this movie really uh, blew my mind. I wish there was a Bad Boy Bubby franchise 
because I could watch him just <laughs> plug these phrases into any situation. Um, I think this is a tour de force. I think this is the cinema. Oh, um, oh amazing cinema. job, Kevin. Um, this definitely was a Dave pick. I definitely <laughs> uh, would pick this. I'd never seen it, and I really appreciated you bringing it in this week. I knew this was going to be Dave's new favorite movie pretty pretty quickly into it. I was like, oh, Kevin went Dave style this week. Dave is going to love this movie. If that's all there is, we're stuffed. I liked I liked Bad Boy Bubby. It's, it's one of those that I feel like if I saw this, this is 94, and this is on Tubi for free right now, or uh, you can rent it cheap also, VOD. I think if I saw this in the 90s in the middle of that indie film boom where I was discovering indie film and a lot of the stuff was seeing the light of day, I, I might have been... I could picture this being a movie that, like, when I lived in an apartment with four other dudes in our early 20s in the 90s, if we saw Bad Boy Bubby, we would have kept it and people would have just put it in all the time. You know, this would have been that kind of movie. I liked it more before he leaves the house when it's just, <laughs> you know, the apartment and it's just the abuse and the incest and, and torturing the cat and all that, like really ugly stuff and the dad and all this stuff's going on. Uh, then when he leaves the apartment, it kind of, it just, to me, it's sort of a, it's a series of little vignettes, scenes of him not knowing how to interact with people. He's Starman. He's the guy who fell to earth. And so he's going around meeting different people and having these interactions. He doesn't, know what he's doing and so you just kind of pile those things on every everyone that he meets either is afraid of him wants to arrest him wants to send him to send him to the funny farm or wants to have seduce him or rape him or exploit him in some way and so it just goes from thing to thing and he's mimicking everything that that people say if that's all there is we're stuffed you know if he hears somebody say something in one context he just he doesn't know Hey, you fucking bloody greenie, get out of the fucking road. <laughs> you know, he just keeps repeating these phrases, and it's funny, you know. Um, I was very disappointed we did not get a full band live rendition of Bad Boy Bubby, the theme song that the band writes. He ends up joining the band, and they play to packed crowds. Everybody loves the new act with him doing all his phrases and stuff like that. I couldn't believe they never launched into Bad Boy Bubby, which is the song that the band writes about him shortly after they meet him. This was a fun enough time. I can't say I loved it, but it certainly is very funny. And uh, the lead performance, Nicholas Hope, amazing. And he would go on. This is kind of what launched his career. He was a, a, an unknown, and he's done a ton of Australian movies since then. He also was in Scooby-Doo. What? He, yeah, the yeah. movie. Yeah, he was so in um, he was in Ash versus Evil Dead at one point at least. Scooby Doo did a couple other things that we might know, but mostly he seems to have stuck with indie Australian cinema, which is pretty cool. So th this was an interesting pick, grist for Dave for sure. Damn you, Brian! That's what I say <laughs> to Kevin. Just kidding. This movie was chaotic as fuck. It was just it was a lot. Uh, the first half. I'd say the first half was a hard watch. Maybe the first two thirds of the film. It's just like, like Trent said, like the little vignettes, but like each one was stressful in its own way uh, for me. Uh, definitely witnessed some real animal abuse um, in this film, both with the cat and the bugs, uh, to be honest. 
Um, well, I mean, to be clear, it was a real roach that he ate. Yes. The cat was not actually killed. Okay, but... Well, actually, one cat was... Human- euthanized. Right, but that was the cat that... Before he was euthanized, they tied him with string. That's what I'm and saying. All that stuff to him. You tie a cat to a chair with string and let it like I mean, thrash it was, about. I mean, you should have been here for Cannibal Holocaust. That was a little tough. I was not that here was much for a better. reason. That was an animal cruelty. This actually was cruelty. Yeah. So yeah, that was I've, just tort. That was just no. They were just eating. Death. That's what people do. They in the wild they kill animals quickly and eat them. I, I, don't, I don't consider that cruelty. This was cruelty. Yeah. So like poking it with the stick in the thing. Anyway, um, I have some questions as to who on the Google page defined this as a comedy. Um, didn't really find it that funny. I laughed a lot. I'm sure Very you did. Funny. Was it you? Did you call it a comedy on the Google page? Yes. You wrote it in there. <laughs> so this guy, obviously, as you guys explained, starts as in an abused um, home. Then he uh, is out in the world and somehow manages to get laid multiple times makes friends, becomes the lead singer of the band, falls in love, has a family. Yeah. He's more successful than a that, lot of people, I feel like we know. That's why it's a happy ending. Yeah, 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 apparently. For him, not the four people that he murders. No, the cat but they deserved kills. it. They deserved it. Not the cat, but maybe the other ones. Um, it's honestly a Cinderella story. It is. Yes, about it. it is. <laughs> wow. Feral, abused, captive man becomes more successful than most humans. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I was glad about that. That was That was nice. Um, the last bit of the movie, you, you know, was nice and uplifting. It was cool that he could communicate um, with these developmentally um, challenged adults. That was like a nice little uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but overall, I think this movie still left me feeling pretty bleh. I'd say a little icky just from, I don't know, it just, oh, it was just so odd and the beginning part just kind of there's no gum, there's no coming back from the good boy bubby you know what i mean there's just no coming back from that it was just i could have started like 30 minutes into this movie and probably been fine if someone just gave me like a quick synop you know right. just been like hey just so you know he just got out of his he bangs his mom <laughs> every night <laughs> was i thrilled when i started it no was i upset with kevin yeah a little bit oh was nice. i cons- was i confused in thinking that it was dave's week instead of kevin's <laughs> yeah a bit but um but it ended up being an interesting watch so there there's that trent you talked about when he leaves the house like how different everything is they use 32 different cinematographers. Right. Once no. Bubby leaves the house, they had, uh, so Deher, Deher, the director, he used all these different cinematographers to say, uh, I want you to do every single piece of what Bubby sees in real life as he's experiencing them. And he did not let any of them know what the others were working on and doing. So I think that's great. Um, this really is like an experimental film. And audio-wise, uh, very sparse score, barely any music in this movie, and, and also the next movie we'll talk about. But they put mics in his wig. Yeah. So Nicholas Hope is wearing a wig in this movie. And oh, they put mics in his wig. Very realistic. So glad it's so a wig. So that the audio in the movie that you hear is what they want you to experience as Bubby is experiencing it. was all recorded it. through his 
hit the mics on Bubby. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I thought that like I mean, just like filmmaking wise, like this is a total experiment. It's really great. Nineties, um, tour de force. Yes. And magnum and, opus. Other words like that. Another piece of the the unconventional filmmaking is that once the cat is shrink wrapped, or just carries it around like his yeah. buddy. Well, that at least that initial scene that was actually the dead cat after it was euthanized. That was not a uh, what? Yeah, that was a real when he when it's shrink wrapped and, and just the head is out. You can tell. Yeah, it's very realistic because that was actually the body of the dead feral cat. Now, this was a feral Kevin cat, and, and by policy, <sighs> by policy, these cats were all euthanized. This one just got to star in a movie first. <laughs> so it's not like, you know, that's what would have happened to the cat. Now, we can argue about whether the cat deserved before that to be tied up with string and poked and all that. Was it uh, euthanized because it was injured from... No, 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 because it was a feral cat, and that was uh... that, that's what happened to all feral cats in this area at that time. They were by policy euthanized, so... That's just what would okay, have happened. Okay, so that's uh, that's it. Anyway. It made it a star first, I guess. So that's yeah. nice. Yeah, great. I usually don't love in movies where there's any kind of song incorporated or they break into song, but I absolutely loved it in this. <laughs> I, I was talking about loving it in Calvert and um, the other Fabrice Duell stuff. He does that, and I actually thought that the uh, the band cult following aspect of it. It gave me Queen of the Damned vibes, Cat. I mean, didn't you think he was kind of like the, the singer? That's so weird. I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want you guys to make fun of me, but absolutely, yeah, definitely just like Queen of the Damned. He became this like icon. He was like a killer, and they were like celebrating. They had like a sign-up that... It was weird that they had a big banner that said like the shrink wrap, the cling wrap killer. But yet, no police are anywhere. No one's investigating this. Oh, they the, actually, yeah, they did have the banner up that says the Kling Rap Killer. Which right, is and he tells people openly. Who the police are looking for. Yeah, right. so B- Bubby joins a band, and they <laughs> discover that he's killed his parents. But they were baddies. They were not good parents. <laughs> but the band is like, well, we have the reward that we could get for Bubby. Or they bring him up on stage one night, and then they're like, Wait, we might be able to make more money from Bubby singing. Well, quote unquote singing. Bubby really just like repeats phrases he's heard from other people. Get out of the fucking road, you bloody greeny bastard. <laughs> it's amazing. This movie really covers a lot of grounds. I mean, we're talking like religion, nature versus nurture. Uh, I mean, it covers a lot. Oh, the church scene. Is, I, I thought that's that my favorite. I think the I think writing that's my in favorite. that was this like you know uh, atheist manifesto or whatever that the guy in the church is telling him. God doesn't. He goes to a church and someone says God does not exist. Right. <laughs> Our purpose as humans is to think away God. That was the point where I started having a little existential crisis about Bad Boy Bubby, and I was like, Wow, this movie might be a little bit more. And actually, watching the second movie. Um, I think that there's a lot to be said in both movies about uh, religion and organized religion and just control in general and and misinformation and and control of um, depriving people of what is real. If that's all there is, we're stuffed. (laughs) Do you guys know what a greenie is? 
when he when he no when the guys say to him at one point he's standing in the road in his gas mask that was his mom's his mom would put on the gas mask every time she left the house to convince him that the air was poison if god doesn't get you or no if the poison doesn't get you god god will and he's blocking the road and some guys yell at him get the fucking road you bloody grinny bastard and then that's one of the phrases that he picks up and then he keeps saying that to everyone so I had to find out what greenie means in this context. I assumed it was some sort of ethnic slur, but a greenie is an environmentalist. Like the way you would say tree hugger. That mm. makes sense, yeah. Get out of the road, you greenie bastard. They think that he's protesting. He's got the gas mask on. Uh, and then he goes on and says that to everyone. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. Uh, it took me a minute to realize that he killed her parents. The way that- Really? Yeah, because it just shows, yeah. it just shows that scene end, and then you just see him outside, and you see him pick up the cling wrap. Yeah, and if you don't realize exactly what he's doing, then it cuts to them, and she's saying, "Well, they were riddled with disease. They anyway. were ready. To, they were, they were ready, ready to, to die. die. It doesn't yeah. really matter." And I don't think it's clear that she doesn't know that Bubby killed them. I don't think. I, I because she I, says whoever did it. I was going it. to ask that question. Yeah, I don't think she realizes he went back and did that. Yeah. Yes, I was going to ask that as well. So, Bubby meets Angel, a nurse, who is taking care of uh, patients who are suffering from cerebral palsy. And the people in the movie are not actors. They are actually people with yeah, right. with that affliction. Yes. And I think I, I rewound that, Trent, so many times because I was like, what happened? Yeah, I was confused the only, about that whole... The only thing you hear is like the... <laughs> Yeah. All you hear is like the cling wrap or the shrink wrap. Yeah. Um, being torn, and then they cut to them like on like a on the bluff like a silhouette. The yep, factory. like a silhouette yeah, over like great sun, shot, great sun, scene. sunset. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, they were ready to die anyway." I don't know if she realizes that, but then Bubby's ending is incredibly happy for somebody that just killed a bunch of people and dust cats. to dust <laughs> like that's what i i thought that it was strange that normally i'd hate a happy ending too but i just thought it was strange where it went from there like the the story just went in a place that i did not think it would uh with a white picket fence and all that and it, and then it just ends and that in itself was original enough with all the you know the darkness that we always see i was kind of like oh it's kind of a different yeah i mean i think one of the things about bad boy bubby that is is probably one of its best qualities is you're rooting for bubby the entire time are you not am i wrong no he's no. definitely the antagonist i feel like but he's also the protagonist he's the bad guy and the good guy and that that's why you can do whatever you want with the ending it's- he's kind of he's an anti-hero kind of i mean i was re- who else are you going to root for you're not going to root for his parents or anyone else or the jailers. I mean, you've, you've got no choice, really. No, I mean, the jailer, but he, but the, he's also, the it's animal like, and the jail. It's like you said. I mean, if you're talking about nature versus nurture, it's it's not that Bubby is bad. Bubby is not bad, and, and that's shown throughout the movie. The things, the bad things that Bubby does are because of his upbringing. There's nothing, it's not like Bubby is evil or Bubby has ill intent at any point in the movie. All he knows is the abuse and the isolation that he's been raised in, so then he does these things. So I think I think he's ultimately a likable character. He just happens to have killed some bad people, and you know, he doesn't know doesn't know what he's doing. Very very little music in this movie too. 
both well, movies. I mean, like, I mean, they're in a band, but it's mostly diegetic. It's in the film. There isn't really right. that I recall anyway. Like soundtrack. Yeah, there isn't like, really a score so much. Everything is like what Bubby's hearing. Yeah, like the bagpipes mm-hmm. in the in the jail. And I would say, as far as fake bands and movies, this band was not cringy at all. Like a lot of times in these movies, when they have somebody playing music in the movie. It's cringy. Like I'm thinking of X when they bust out Landslide. Or, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, oh God. That ruins it. But this band, the band in this was fine. Didn't mind them at all. That's because they sounded like shit. Because when you just whip out an instrument and start playing, you usually sound like shit. Still should have done Bad Boy Bubby at the end of the packed house. That should have been his. Well, he know. was pop at that point. He True. Wasn't he wasn't Bubby was, anymore. He was pop. True. Yeah. You sound like a fan. Oh, right. Pop. <laughs> I am. That's a good point. Yes. <laughs> at some point, he does go home. After he kills his parents, he does go home and put on his, his estranged father's clothes and mm-hmm. becomes pop. You guys fucked up about this scene right here. Hmm. In my house, the way I have to watch my television is a window. There's tons of glare. And I'm laying on my couch, and this is the uh, animal prison rape scene. And w- sometimes when I'm staring at a darker image at the right time of day, I'll see my own face in the reflection. And, it, and you were lined up with Bubby. And I was lined up. I was laying on the couch like this sideways, <laughs> and my face was lined up right with Bubby when he was getting raped. And I was, I was like, this feels weird. Yeah, I bet it, it did. It's called pareidolia. Well, well thank you, Brian, for uh, the recommendation uh, Rolf Hare is a, a legend. Uh, if you look up this director, I mean, he is subjects of documentaries, of books, of so many things. Um, there was just a story about him in, I, I believe it's an Australian newspaper, last week. I just randomly saw in my social media feed this story about him in an interview with him. Unfortunately, it was paywalled, so I didn't get to read it. But he's still somebody who is a significant figure in, in filmmaking, at least certainly in uh, in Australia. She could rob my face, I don't want nothing in return. Her body counting who she fuck ain't never my concern. I'm trying to buy my neighbor house. We Rob my face, I don't want nothing in return Except for some of her time and all her love, that's my concern I'm trying to buy my neighbor house and turn it to a Alright, my second pick for this week is 2009's Yorgos Lanthimos' Dogtooth I think that we've only touched on Lanthimos with the killing of a sacred deer Would that be right? Correct uh, Which is honestly one of my favorite movies that we've ever covered on the entire podcast Same uh, out of 400 plus movies at this point. Um, so Dogtooth tells the story. Um, similarly to, to Bad Boy Bubby, we have an isolation situation with a child. Only in Dogtooth, we have multiple children. So we have uh, Lanthimos decides to not give anybody a name. So we have mother, father, older daughter, younger daughter, and son. And the father has decided to keep the family and the children completely isolated from the outside world in the family compound. And throughout the course of the movie, you see how he is raising these children. It, it's uh, pretty disturbing. Um, this one, to me, is like most Lanthimos movies. It's a multi-watch. You have to watch it multiple times to really dig into it. Uh, it's very, very disturbing. Uh, it deals, uh, much like Bubby, it deals with mental health. It deals with uh, child abuse and also some sort of like societal 
uh, aspects in terms of um, what does one, when they think they're doing what's best for their family or themselves, how do you perceive that? And how can you judge that? Uh, I think Lanthimos does a great job of that. So essentially, we go on a journey with this family as, you know, inevitably the children are going to start to be curious about the outside world. And there are some outside world influences brought into the household or the compound, if you will. And it ultimately ends up in some rebellion. Um, I thought that this was, I mean... Lanthimos is just, you know, he's compared to like Von Trier. He's compared to Michael Haneke. Um, This, to me, just proved um, with this, the lobster, sacred deer. uh, He's one of the greatest filmmakers that we have going right now. Um, He'll go down in history as one of the best. Um, It's a it's a it's a slog, a little bit less action packed than Bubby. Um, I think because, you know, like we talked about, Bubby has, you know, so many different cinematographers in different settings. Yeah. Uh, this one is very, very uh, one setting. Um, they never really leave. Yeah, the, the cinematographer does a lot of great things in terms of, like, cutting off people's heads and showing, like, really interesting shots of people's bodies. Uh, it's, it's definitely a slow burn. Um, but I think at the end, it's well, well worth it. What did what did you think, Kat? I thought this one was weird, for sure. Comparatively, though, it seemed pretty tame, just in that it, it didn't really feel as chaotic as Bad Boy Bubby, but still obviously had this weird captive isolation incest kind of a thing going on. It was, I would say it was a, an enthralling and interesting watch, though. I didn't hate it. It definitely like kept my attention for sure. Maybe because it was so aesthetically pleasing. I thought it was like, you know, everything was very white and kind of seemed sterile um, for the most part. They're in this beautiful, you know, rich person compound. You know, there's a pool and everything's, you know, they're vacuuming all the time. And I don't know. So it was just it was f- nice to look at. Um, but there's also so much mystery to me surrounding like why this why this uh, affluent family, you know, was keeping their children captive like this. Because uh, the parents obviously didn't seem, you know, to mind the outside influence that they were experiencing. Like the father leaves every day, he goes to the office, he goes to the factory, he owns um, the the mother, you know, is always calling him on the phone and being like, can you bring me chocolates? Like, can you bring me these fun things that I want? Um So I just, I, it's just interesting. It's like, why did they decide to instill these weird, fucked up kind of values, these crazy, weird, bonkers things on three, like, attractive, you know, able-bodied, fine, like, children? So that part was just, you know, I was kind of left wondering, you know, they, it's not like, I didn't think they were going to tell us why. You know, it's not like we found out why Bubby was like that. You kind of got an inkling that his mom was crazy and his dad left. And so she's like, well, you're all I have. But in this one, it's like you have a whole factory. You like you own this company. You have a, a wife and like these. Anyway. Um, and they have a beautiful uh, estate. It's not just like a squalid two room apartment. No, like it's in like, Bubby, they have this big house with a big yard and a pool and all yeah, of this stuff. So it's yeah. like what happened that you need to keep your adult children in this weird state of like childlike like consciousness the parents are like banging to like hardcore porn 
And then like the kids are just like licking each other's shoulders. I don't know. It was just like, <laughs> it was just kind of funny. Um, just weird. I thought it had humorous parts though to me. Like obviously the cat scene, we all know about the murdered, the murdered cat scene. But the fact that the father, like after the son, you know, stabs this cat with uh, these shears, spoiler alert, um, the dad like makes up this whole ruse and like, cuts all of his clothing and puts like paint on his clothes and he's like the cat murdered your brother before he came over here and it was just like it was just so comedic in that way um and then once the tapes come into play and the elder daughter is you know reenacting them and like doing the flash dance thing it was just it was fun it was fun to watch and it kind of kept your attention i feel like and without overstressing me kind of like the like the bubby did um, but pretty entertaining, definitely. I don't know. I don't want to say lighthearted, but it just kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say this is like a cool, like jazzy it's film. Far from but, lighthearted. But, funny, you know, though. it was, I thought it had its like humorous parts. And like the ending, you're kind of left like, what's going to happen now? So I thought I liked this one a lot. Better than Killing of a Sacred Fucking Deer. <laughs> that fucking movie. I had never seen this one. and Really? I, yeah, I thought I got what? this from you. No, like when no. we did when we did Whoa. Sacred Deer. Yeah, I thought you had mentioned no Dogtooth. No. If I, I did it only in title, yeah, because people always talk. Of, this is one that I heard had heard talked about for a long time, um, and I think it I think it suffered from having seen later work from Lanthimos first. I saw The Lobster from 2015. It was the first one I saw, and that's on HBO right now. If you haven't seen The Lobster. Oh my God, it is an incredible movie and it's like a horror movie at heart, the story, but it's played so straight. Uh, and then of course, Killing of a Sacred Deer. One thing I think that this movie has in common with those two, and I think it's brilliant. I love the way it's done. Lanthimos has this way of, and I think this goes to what you were saying, Kevin, about it being a two-watch movie. He has this way of presenting these things to you that are so bizarre and they're so outlandish, and the way he presents it is totally cold and clinical, like nothing's wrong here. And so it keeps you off balance through the whole movie. You're like, you're just trying to like understand what is happening and why through the whole movie, and you're sort of waiting for some sort of gag or some conceit to be revealed, something, and then it ends, and you're like, Nope, that was just real. And you're like, God damn, I got to see that again because that that's what happened with The Lobster the first time I saw that. By the end, it took me the whole movie to realize that this is everything that I'm seeing is present. This is real in the in the reality of the film. Like, oh, this guy really is, has been turned into an animal. That's not just a joke. He keeps saying the dog is his brother. The dog is his brother. It takes the movie <laughs> to realize that. And they're like, okay, you got to go see it again now, realizing that that was serious. I do that to my daughter all the time, though. <laughs> I call our dog her sister. Um, and I would say similar about Sacred Deer. So, you know, going back and watching this now, if, if I had seen this in 2010, I would have been talking about it just as much. It, it is very much, you mentioned Von Trier and Haneke, it's almost like, I, this is almost like Haneke doing his version of Wes Anderson, I feel like, with the quirky <laughs> yeah, family, you know, on all that stuff. Um, I, I've seen a lot of this ilk since then, and, and The Lobster and Sacred Deer are so much bigger, more epic, and more developed. Those are so 
much further developed in in the in the progression I think of of Yorgos Lanthimos that going back now it's almost for me it's almost like when you go back to that rough demo that people are raving about but it just you just kind of hear a rough demo so I I liked it it's well worthwhile it's on Criterion right now it was on Tubi it just left Tubi right yeah. before um, we started this week but it's on Criterion it's free on Plex or Pluto or you can VOD it definitely worthwhile. Definitely, you know, if you like homeschooling, if you like incest, if you like animal abuse. Uh, <laughs> this one's for oh, you. Oh, and the thing is, the reason why, the thing with the licking of the shoulders and the knees and the ears, because once, and we haven't gotten that far in the story, but once the outside influence of the cunnilingus comes into the house, the kids are totally ignorant of sex and totally innocent of sex. So to them, licking genitals is Oh, it's a thing you do. You lick people's bodies. So they're just like licking shoulders after that and licking knees. They don't really see any difference between licking genitals and licking a yeah, shoulder. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of licking. That's <laughs> So this movie really creeped me out. Like li- there's so much licking. Uh, this this really made so much sense and actually Bubby made more sense. These movies really are a pair. They're like of a of a theme. So honestly, the, including this with Bubby made me appreciate Bubby more and made me, uh, you know, there is definitely, they're, they're definitely sort of a pair of films. And I enjoyed this one. Very good. Um, I'd have to disagree. I kind of think that Dogtooth is the goat uh, of Lanthimos. I, I feel like I saw that I saw the movies in succession as he released them. And I definitely noticed the famous American actors coming in, the budgets getting a little bit bigger um, then putting a little bit more like stuff for the viewer, a little bit more accessible to the viewer. Um, and I think that if you had seen this in that succession that you might feel differently about Dogtooth because to me it's like the the most artsy of the ones. Oh, de- definitely. And this is definitely the most artsy. The mo- but it's not, I mean, there's more, I think there's more going on in the later movies. There's more to the story. It's not just you have Colin Farrell. There's just there. This is all in one house, and it's just these weird people doing weird things to each other, very slow, very quiet. You know, there just isn't much to it. Eh, it's I would, bad. I would disagree. I don't, I, it's I bad. I just mean physically, to... there isn't much to it. There's right. one. There's one location. There's four characters. Right. Nothing else happens other than this little well, you, environment. You liked the last movie until they left the the location. When I started yes. watching Bad Boy Bubby. I started it a couple times, and I was like, "Okay, great. This is going to be a movie of a dirty apartment, a guy and his mother the whole time. (laughs) This buzzing radiator happening the whole time." And uh, I was relieved that he actually got out into the world, and there was a number of crazy sets uh, in that. Um, But this wasn't about that as much. This is more about like the uh, the characters, and uh, there's a funny story about a dog tooth. Um, I was lied to um, as a as a kid, I lost a tooth on the beach, and I was a poor kid, and I was like, I need that tooth fairy money. I got to find this, and I was freaking out. Oh, I was man. crying, kicking, and screaming, I need the uh, tooth fairy money. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and my parents said, oh, no, it's okay. If you lose your tooth out here, you won't get a dollar, but if a dog finds your tooth, then you'll grow a fang instead of a regular tooth. <laughs> and I, Dog tooth. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, they dog tooth me. I think wow. dog toothing is better than gaslighting. Wow, so dog toothing <laughs> is like the next level. So you didn't get any. The tooth fairy didn't no. come. 
Are you no. kidding me? No, and I they got They were nothing. just like, oh, yeah, you get the, they told you that story, and then they got out of even being the Tooth Fairy. I, quick aside. That's think, <laughs> think about if the Tooth Fairy was real for one second. I think about it that a lot. That would be chaos. Yeah. People would be knocking out people's teeth. And putting a whole big pile of teeth under their pillow at night. Racketeering for the teeth. Yeah, exactly. Racket teeth thing. Um, so I didn't grow a fang. I was psyched I when they going. told me that. Uh, later betrayed. <laughs> uh, but dog tooth hurts my brain. Uh, I feel like as a viewer, I'm being psychologically influenced by this kind of film. I feel like it's happening to me. It's making me stupider as I'm watching it. The confusion in this to me is chaotic because you start forgetting the definitions of things or you apply, your brain just goes to like, this is what they think this is. And then, you know, you replace that for your, the duration of the movie while you're watching it. Um, and I fucking thought that eldest daughter's negotiating skills to get cunnilingus was so hilarious <laughs> like she just kept on going from like person to person and like, like negotiating with they don't have much to work with here they they had a shiny sparkly a sparkly headband. headband she's like i have a pencil it has an eraser on it <laughs> Damn. what about this tape measurer there's some you know people uh get sex this week uh people that ha well, should they can find it there's no kind of game going on in this. None. There's, I, in fact, Bad Boy Bubby reminded me what it might be like being single now after I've been in a relationship for 10 years if I was to be at large out there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love Dogtooth. I think it's a classic. Yeah, I think Kat brought up the, the best point is one of the, the, the greatest aspects that Lanthimos does with Dogtooth is in Bad Boy Bubby, I think we understand why Bubby has been isolated for so long. But Dogtooth, we are never given a reason why the father is doing this to his his three grown children. Mm -hmm. So both movies this week are dealing with like child abuse and isolation and nature versus nurture and all of that. But they're grown children. I think both of these movies would not have worked if we had young children yeah. experiencing this. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be but more icky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if <laughs> that's possible. More. Yeah. But in Dogtooth, we're never given a reason. Like, why is the father doing this? That and Lanthimos doesn't name anybody. No. You know, it's it's father, mother, older daughter, younger daughter, son. and And then Christine, who is a factory worker, a security guard at his work who he brings home to have sex with the son. But we're never given a reason why he's doing this and why the mother is going along with this. Well, he, he's trying to, he's, it's time, his son is like 20 or something or 18. The, you know, the son is, is getting to the point where he wants his son to have sex, but they're stuck now. So he brings, he hires someone from his factory, he hires Christine, pays her to come home and have the most clinical uh, sex imaginable with mm. the son. Like literally the, the least sexy sex scenes in both of these movies this week. I feel like the father just was a guy who had a healthy imagination and he created his own 
sort of like fictional world, I kind of I thought it was funny how his his whole life he just says whatever he wants to be true and it, it gets accepted as true. Like he says, Do you guys want to hear granddad's music? Oh that part <laughs> and he goes, was so and, good. And he puts on Frank Sinatra. That's their granddad. Uh he tells his coworker the people at work think that his wife is in a wheelchair from an accident. They're asking, you know, how she's doing and all this stuff. He just says whatever he you know, oh a keyboard, oh that's between your legs. Oh uh the C is what you sit on in the living room. You know, they they teach the kids all the wrong words. Yeah. Pass the salt becomes the you phone. Know, pass the phone. Yeah, yeah the it's salt. so it's really yeah. funny. I just I kind of I kind of liked that idea that you just say whatever you want to say. My dad, you know, my dad is whoever, you know, my oh, I'm sorry, I can't go. My uh, my girlfriend's in a wheelchair. Sorry, sorry. you get to you know trivia. What uh, what is a zombie? Uh, tiny yellow flower. Yes. Nice. Mom, I found two zombies in the yard. You want me to bring them? Yeah. yeah, so what they do, it's like whenever the children hear a word that the parents have never like told them about before, that's when they're like, oh, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's it's this thing. Because like, obviously like the kid's like, what's a phone? They're not going to be like, oh, it's a thing that you can talk to people in the outside world at. They're like, oh, it's this, uh, you put it on your food, you know? But the wife is just as complicit. Like she seems just as like rowdy to like discipline the kids and like yeah she goes along with everything do whatever yeah he just decides it's their anniversary one day today is our anniversary we will have a party yeah. and cake that's like just saying that it's your birthday any yeah. day yeah. Hey, today, today is my birthday did you yeah. know that we're having a party and eating cake but there's, crazy. there's also cool. a really nice like nice is not the wrong word there's also a very subtle hint of abuse in this movie where subtle no, if you if you well, watch again, like this is a multi-watch movie because they don't show a lot on screen in this movie, other than the sex scenes, which which well, they, they show some they violence. Have well, last movie had a hint of incest. He beats her with that. <laughs> and this is a hint of abuse. Yeah. I mean, he, he beats scale, her with a VHS tape taped to his hand. No, That's but if, if you watch the movie, a lot of times he'll do great shots where he'll catch like a scar. On like a shoulder, yes. or he'll catch, he'll catch that. like a bandage, yeah, and it's hinting at a previous scene where they're doing things that their father wants them to do and exceed at, and when they fail, it just cuts away, and then you're on to an, another scene. But in that scene, you'll see he obviously was very violent towards them because they failed his expectations. And he get, he gets violent with the daughter once she has watched the VHS movies. Well, he, that, he I mean, that, a, that's uh, explicit. Like, he, that's not the subtlety that I'm talking about. He tapes a, a VHS tape to his hand and then beats her... With Love it. it. Well, yeah, VHS, and then a, a then subsequently a VCR beating. Yeah, like of we have some Christina, serious yeah. throwback here. Like that scene where he tapes the VHS tape to his hand, yeah. and just starts beating one of his daughters, I, I and love then it. goes to see uh, the person that who has brought in his in his mind blasphemy into his home. And he takes the VCR that she watched those VHS tapes on and beats her with those. Um, that's that's pretty visceral. I thought it was interesting in this one that they're they seem upper middle class. Yeah, kind for of, sure. and, and yeah. you know, Bubby was it was much very lower. Dark, so this is a different and, class, impoverished. This is yeah. all bright and lit These, up the whole time. Yeah, they're well off. And I think both movies kind of aim a lot at organized religion. Because they kind of work on the same principles of just making up things to explain everything. 
I think one of the most important scenes in this movie, as far as explanation or theme or what is being gotten at, is the dog training thing. For some reason, their dog is is at their dog is staying at a dog trainer facility. They've sent their dog there to be trained, and there's a whole scene where the dad goes and he wants the dog back, and the guy won't give him his dog back because the dog is still only on phase two of a five phase training schedule, and they show the Doberman out there biting the arm and all that stuff. But he gives him this whole speech about why he can't have the dog back yet and how important it is to train the dog. And he says, I I think one of the most instructive quotes in the whole movie is when the dog trainer says, every dog is waiting for us to show it how to behave. Mm. That's the core of the movie to me. And that's what the dad is essentially taking home. He's treating his family like dogs. In fact, he actually teaches them literally how to bark like dogs on all fours because so that the cat, doesn't kill them all because he's convinced them that the cat. But that that to me is kind of the crux of it. But then he also says, do we want an animal or do we want a friend? Right. He what wants, do we want? Dad wants animals. Oh, okay. I was confused and I was, I assume this was kind of just like, a, oh, it's our anniversary. We're having Kate kind of a thing. When the wife and the husband are like sitting there and she's like, I'm pregnant. It's twins, a boy and a girl. And yeah, he's yeah. like, triplets? And she's like, no, it's twins. He's like, two boys? She's like, no, boy and a girl. And he's like, a dog? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, what were they deciding? They were there? deciding this what they were gonna tell the kids. Like yes. what but was she gonna be pregnant? I don't know. They I were just sh- deciding like what's what it was more tell what's next? It, was, it was more gaslighting on the Because they tell him if you don't start behaving better, she's gonna give birth oh. to two more kids and a dog. And you guys could be and, and then you're they're like to share, you're gonna yeah. have to share your room. She's like, I don't wanna share my room. Well you then behave. Okay. I mean honestly okay, one of the one sense. of the times that I did laugh is when uh, I didn't laugh at the killing of the cat. Sorry, cat. I'm sure you did. No, I didn't. But Love when the it. dad was like, a cat is the most dangerous animal in <laughs> yeah. the world. Like, yeah. it will eat you. It will, it, it, life likes child's flesh. Like, yeah. I was like, I, I burst out laughing. Like, this Very is that was completely when I, ridiculous. That like, was the moment where I was like, okay, there's some funny things along with incest in this film. <laughs> I laughed I'll every time uh, the airplane went over and they yeah, threw yeah. the toy airplane in the garden. Oh, they landed so in the garden. <laughs> They've convinced the kids that airplanes could fall out of the sky and land in the yard. And when one goes over, one of the parents will toss, so the kids can't see, they'll toss a toy airplane under the yard and the kids all run to try to see who can get the airplane. To get like a sticker. And That's so then every time one yeah. flies over, they're like, oh, the, maybe it'll fall. The, <laughs> the stickers are disturbing. Like they get stickers for doing things right. And if you notice, like, when the son is having, like, his sex, every scene where he is doing that, his the headboard of his bed is covered in stickers. I just, there's just so much in this movie. What's a keyboard? What's a keyboard in this movie? It's a, va- a vagina, vagina, right? Or is a it? penis, yes. I guess, in between your legs. I don't know. The G. Play the G. <laughs> when, when, one of them, when, when one of them asks the mother, what's a pussy? And the mother's oh. answer is, the pussy is switched off. Oh, the light. When the pussy They're is switched bright. off, the room is plunged into darkness. Oh, you're telling me. Woo! Um, <laughs> that flash dance scene, at, at one point, the oldest daughter who's been giving the cunnilingus to the <laughs> Christina, the security guard who's paid to have sex with the son, she bargains up to, from a, a sparkly headband, she bargains up to some VHS tapes, and she sees these outside films, because when they watch films in the movie 
they only watch home movies. That was so creepy when they decide so it's weird. video night. Oh, let's watch a video. And it shows them they just watch videos of themselves doing the same thing <laughs> that they're doing. So anyway, she's seen Flashdance. And so during their, their family dance scene, it kind of slowly dawns on you over the course of the scene that she's perfectly mimicking all the dances. From- it's really a oh. risk showing these kids Jaws or Rocky or anything because... They're going to get information. You have to like watch the movies first to make sure that they don't have any mention it's, of a cat. Yeah, she starts quoting like Bad Boy Bubby. She starts doing quotes from Rocky. And, oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. When they were Wolf in the pool, vibes. I was like, I, it was a moment where I was like, oh, they're in the pool, blah, blah blah. And then I like look up and I see her, like I see the quote from Jaws, and I'm like, oh my god, she's doing Jaws. Like it was. I don't well, know, it was I fun. thought about that. Like, is 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 Lanthimos trying to make a point? You know, we we never like like we've talked about. We we don't know the dad's intentions or why he's doing this. But is Lanthimos trying to make a point that the second that the older daughter is exposed to these Hollywood, I'm using air quotes, Hollywood movies, she starts to rebel. Like, what is the point that Lanthimos is trying to make here? Um, that as soon as she starts seeing those movies, she immediately starts enacting a plan to escape from mm-hmm. right. this like total um, you know confine that her father has put her in well another true crime parallel with this one would be uh, the wolf pack you know the documentary about the wolf pack so a, f- a family of kids that were just told you can't go outside ever they go out like an hour a year but they would make these films. They watch movies all the time, and they would make these films reenacting the movies. Yeah, uh, and basically, uh, that's how they got all their information mm-hmm. was from watching movies. And they realized that this wasn't normal, and they eventually got out. But um, yeah, it's there are a number of very similar cases to both of these movies. A number of these true crime sort of real world cases where people actually do this, and it's not just homeschooling. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I've never heard of this director, but Alfredo Ripstein, he's a Mexican director. He did a movie in the 70s called The Castle of Purity, which is very similar to Dogtooth. It's based on a real case in the 50s where a man isolated his entire family and didn't allow them to leave. So this movie was actually nominated for an Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. And Ripstein had said that he wanted to send Lanthimos a note the night of the Oscars, I hope we win, which was like a subtle hint that this movie ripped off the castle of purity. Mm. Um, And then it's also based on, I won't go into details, but we've talked about true crime, uh, the Fritzl case. So there's, uh, look up the Fritzl, F-R-I-T-Z-L case. Or don't. uh, You could probably just 2008-ish. Uh, where a man actually did keep his daughter like confined and fathered multiple children and did horrible things. Um, but the screenplay for Dogtooth was done before that. But yeah, this is, unfortunately, this is not something that does not happen in the real world. The eldest daughter in this, uh, Angelica Papulia, she was in that movie Amulet yeah, that we Marianne. talked about. Remember that one? Uh, and she was also in uh, the next Lanthimos movie, Alps, which I haven't seen. She was also in The Lobster. Um, the youngest daughter, Mary Sony. I don't know how you say that. She uh, was in a couple other Greek horror movies. We haven't, this is, well, I guess, if you if you call Killing of a Sacred Deer a Greek movie, this would be the only Greek production. This 
that we've talked about. The youngest daughter was in a couple of Greek horror movies out there. Unfortunately, committed suicide in 2017, <gasps> oh. just a month shy of her 30th birthday. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah, singer for a punk band. You know, I, I envy oh, this kind of upbringing, though. I mean... What? They have no I'm, I'm, I'm going to no check in on you and Connie very, very well, no, soon. No, I wouldn't give this to someone else. This, For me, this would be my preference. I mean, it was once I had to go out into the world. I mean, these are grown adults. Let's be clear. Like, all week, these homeschoolers, I, we don't know when they started. They probably never left, it seems like. Uh, they're all old. There's never any question uh, if they're not grown adults. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't feel guilty that they still live at home. They don't care. They watch movies all day. It's of my kind themselves. of life. Run but their hands under hot water is a fun game. I like no, that. No shit. worry about bills. No worry about right. food. Never shelter, a mention of a bill. Like that. Yeah, they don't even know what a bill is. Then I get a phone call. Must be nice. My parents dog toothed me on the dog tooth. <laughs> oh, that if is they had done they'd done the full dog I tooth, I would have been fine. <laughs> You'd still be living at home. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they told you, oh, it's okay. You know, the Tooth Fairy knows if you if you lost it at the beach, the Tooth Fairy will still come. I thought that's no. where you were going with that Dog story. tooth. <laughs> Actual dog tooth. If that's all there is, we're stuffed. Next week, we have a very special guest that's going to be hanging out with us, going to be talking to Maine-based filmmaker Mark J. Parker. 